This passage we read this morning, Terry just read out of John 9, is the story of Jesus opening the eyes of the blind, a man born blind from birth. I was just recently in June in the Democratic Republic of Congo. I had the opportunity to go there. Uh, a Congolese pastor invited me. He had gathered his pastors together and then people from his churches for a three-day conference that I was able to preach at and then receive from because they were an amazing people. And on the last time we were together, for the last meeting, about an hour before I got up to preach, two hours into worship, which is singing and dancing in choirs, we still had a solid hour to go, I felt God speak to me three things. I want to bring heaven to earth. That's what I heard him say. And I want to demonstrate my love to these people who my heart breaks for. And I want to do it this way. I want to heal knees, backs, which I was okay with. I was comfortable. I'd seen it. I'd done it. Been part of it. And then he said, I want to open the eyes of the blind. Which threw, that threw me a little bit. It's like, did I hear? And then a little fear starts stirring in me. Oh, you must mean spiritual eyes, spiritual blindness, right? Like you can have spiritual knee pain and spiritual back pain, right? <laughs> and besides, what are the chances that out of the 300 people here, there's even someone who is really physically blind? A few minutes later, they took the offering, which meant putting a bucket in the front of the church. And you go to the offering. The offering plate doesn't come to you. So as people were singing and dancing and dropping off their money, I noticed two guys come up. And as they walked away, one was leading the other by, by the hand, by his arm, because he was blind. Uh-oh. <laughs> so I had about 45 minutes before I got up for God to help me believe things that I did not believe. Has God ever done that? Through the Spirit, start to encourage your faith, start to make you believe things you think. And by the time I got up, I was convinced that this could actually happen. So excited that I couldn't wait for this, the talk to get over so we could just move into prayer. And then we invited folks to come up for, for knees and for backs and for other things. Waited for the sight piece. Wanted to save that for a little bit, see how things were going. Sure enough, in the front of the line, who's there? These two guys had come because they wanted prayer for healing. So we started to pray for them. Those of us that were in prayer leadership. And nothing changed. And then we prayed a little bit more. And we noticed something shift, but nothing changed in his eyes. And then we prayed a little bit longer, and his hearing started to change. And we found out then that he was, had partial hearing. So he could hear a little, and one ear opened, and then a little while after, the other one. To where he said he could hear better, he could hear completely, he was healed. But nothing had changed in his eyes. At that point, I turned and looked at his friend, because I had noticed that I can't remember the medical term for this, so forgive me for that, but I've heard people call lazy eye or wandering eye, where one eye would be kind of looking one direction and another eye would be looking the other. And they seemed like he really didn't have control, so they would kind of be wandering, moving around. And he would actually be always turning his head to try to keep up with his eyes to be able to see things. And so I asked him through the translator, can you see? How's your, how's your sight? And he said, well, I can see, but everything's really blurry. So I said, well, can we pray for you? Grabbed his hands, prayed a two-second prayer for healing, and immediately he went totally limp and fell on the ground, which sometimes happens, occasionally, when people experience God's power. And usually you just let them lay there, 
and let God do what, give her what God wants to do. But I felt like we needed to stand him back up. And I grabbed him by his hands again, and I prayed for him again. And I looked him directly into the eyes. And I watched as his two eyes, one looking up here, one here, came totally together in alignment and looked me straight in the eyes. And then he let go of my hands and got really excited. And in Swahili, started saying a bunch of different stuff, which made me wish I studied the language before I went over there. <laughs> because my translator was getting excited too, and he wasn't helping me. And I found out later that he was saying, I can see, everything's clear, I can see. And then he started pointing at stuff. And then I remember I looked at Mark, who was with me, my friend, and I kind of I said to him without saying anything, did that just, did you see that? And he kind of looked at me and he's like, yeah, I saw that. But we were both kind of like, but did that really happen? And so then I proceeded to give a preacher's version of an eye exam, kind of the amateur. So I started walking from one side of him to the other. I'm not kidding. And I made, him, I made him follow me with both of his eyes, which is something that he couldn't do before. And he followed me, both of his eyes totally locked on me. And then I held up some fingers with some numbers, and he got the numbers. And then we had him look at some things at a distance, and he described them. And he said that he could totally see. So then we went back to his friend and prayed for him, the one who was born blind. And nothing changed. And they went home that day, partial hearing restored, partial sight restored. But the one who was completely blind... At that time, we didn't see anything change. There's a lot to unpack in that story. I thought of it with this passage out of John 9. But it's interesting to me also that in this passage, Jesus isn't just talking about physical blindness. Did you notice the other types of sight problems? There was his disciples who opened with the question, hey, look, a blind guy. So was it his sin or was it his parents' sin that caused that blindness? immediately revealing their beliefs and assumptions, to which Jesus responded, no, you guys aren't getting it. You're not seeing clearly. It's neither of those. And then the end of the passage, the rest of John 9, we didn't read it this morning, but if you look at it when you go home, the Pharisees start to get involved because the Pharisees were responsible for testing, particularly Messiahs, would-be Messiahs. Jesus was not the only guy in first century Palestine who was attracting some crowds, and people were getting excited about. Maybe this is the one. Maybe he's the one that they talked about in the scriptures, the promised one who's going to deliver us, who's going to save the world. And so it was the Pharisees' job as the experts in the law, experts in the scriptures, to come and just see, is this really from God, or is this a fake Messiah? And they tested that day Jesus' miracle, and they concluded that it was not from God. And the reason was because Jesus had done this on the Sabbath, which in their understanding of the law, God ordained the Sabbath as a day of rest. God would not be doing this type of drama on the Sabbath. This is a time where we all sit still and spend time in God's presence. This kind of stuff shouldn't happen, so therefore this isn't from God. As far as I know, this was the first time someone's eyes had been opened. Jesus was the first to open the eyes of a man born blind. But the Pharisees who knew all of the scriptures, were unable to see Jesus. So what causes those types of blindness? Those of you that have glasses ever have on a rainy day, you go inside and the drops dry on your glasses, and all of a sudden in the light you see all this distortion, and you have to wipe off your lenses. Does this happen to you? 
Or maybe this happens to you and you're driving around Seattle and we get these huge rainstorms and no matter how fast you're running your windshield wipers, there's just rain all over your windshield and it's making it hard for you to be able to see. The storms of life, the suffering and the pain that we experience in life, as that comes beating up against us, can make it hard for us to be able to see, right? Or maybe there's a situation where you get your glasses scratched, you drop them on the ground, your contact hairs, or you get one of those little dings in your windshield, and you don't take it to the ding doctor right away. So it starts to crack, and it starts to spread because you just let it be there, all, and it just gets worse and worse and worse. There's also a reality where that starts to make it hard to be able to see. We're looking over the crack, under the crack, through the scratches. And instead of this reality of pain and suffering that we may be going through in the moment, it's these nicks and these dents and these hits that we've taken in our life from our past that are influencing the present. It's an intense example, but of a man that I met who told me a story when he was in his, he was in his 40s when he told me the story, seven-year-old boy, uh, and he was driving with his dad. This was him. And his dad pulled over to the side of the road at a light and told him to get out. And he was confused. So the seven-year-old looked at his dad and was like, what do you mean get out? We're in the middle. Try. He said, get out of the car. And he started getting angry. And then at one point, his dad actually opened the door, pushed him out, shut the door, drove away, and he never saw his father again for the rest of his life. And you can take that for what it's worth, but you imagine the intensity of that type of experience. And it ended up shaping him in many ways. Some of them is just, how do I trust people when the person that I was supposed to look to to be the one to be there for me, a father, rejected me in a very peculiar and very dramatic way? How do I trust others? And how do I understand this one who Jesus refers to as the Father God when I've experienced a father who did that to me? And that's an extreme example that maybe we can't relate to, but I appreciate what Scott Dudley's been doing in the spring and the summer, really addressing this kind of need to achieve, this, this drive for success that is in our culture, the performance anxiety that we feel. And the reality is, is if you start to back up a little bit and unpack that fear that we have and the thing that makes us work so hard and often feel so much stress, it's built on experience after experience, either of having a situation where we won, we nailed it, we did the right thing, we closed the deal, whatever it is, and we got all kinds of attention felt significant and felt loved, and we associated it with success. Or the opposite, where we mess up and we fail, we experience people rejecting, withdrawing, treating us differently. And so based on those past experiences, it starts to shape the way we see ourselves, God, life, and the present. And then there's those times when I was in grade school, and the guy who always had the worst eyes in the class was always the one we did this to, because he had the thickest glasses. And we'd all want to take turns wearing his glasses to see through. What it, what's it like, man? How can, can you see through those things? Or when you're getting an eye exam, and it's, is it one or two? <laughs> can you see better out of number two or number one? And usually early on, you can tell the difference, and it gets harder later. There's a reality where a lot of us may be facing a situation where we've got the wrong prescription. We're wearing some other pair of glasses, we're looking through it without even realizing it, and it's shaping everything we see. This was the Pharisees and the disciples. They had beliefs, the lenses they looked through, that made it difficult for them to see what Jesus was doing. They were believing untruths. If I uh, can do this, 
I want to illustrate something briefly. No one's making eye contact. I need someone to be God. Bo, thank you very much. Come on. Up. A wonderful volunteer. Everyone say hi. This is Bo, but he is God. Hi, God. And I am you. You can say hi, me. Now, there's this reality in our life where God is closer to us than maybe we can even imagine. Where we're moving through our day and our life, and there's this, God's right there. But we may not be able to see it, sense it, pick it up, because there's this blindness. And God knows that. We may not fully be aware of it, but he's experiencing this reality too. And although we are lost in it, he, being the loving and amazing God that he is, doesn't want it this way. So he does something about it. And what does he do? We know the story, and I want to briefly illustrate it with a little, maybe, twist. Don, you're Jesus. Can you come up here? <laughs> <laughs> you can stand on either side of Bo. The father says to the son, and maybe even in the Old Testament that we didn't even know, maybe glimpses that there was a son. Son, I want you to go, and I want you to show them who I am so they can see me, so they can see what I'm really like. And so Jesus comes in the flesh and starts demonstrating us the love and the truth of who God is. And then he says, oh, wait, wait, wait. Wait until I return to the Father after I die on the cross and I am raised from the dead. Then I will send you the... We've got to bring you guys up here, aren't you? So, was it, how many years? 39? Pat, come on up here. <laughs> Sends the Spirit. Pat's the Spirit. 59 years. Marriage. Congratulations. Now I'm going to have Jesus and the Spirit come stand maybe right up here with me. Right up here. Come a little closer. Where we have this reality, it actually says after John 9, you keep on reading the Gospel of John, you get into some of the teens of the chapters. And Jesus starts using this cryptic language, kind of peculiar. I'm going to be in you. You're going to be in me. The Father, I'm in the Father. The Father is in me. I'm going to make my home in you. And all of a sudden, we start getting this glimpse of a reality that exists today, right now, as I speak. God is right here. So I am you, and you are there. So who's right there? Father, Son, and the Spirit. That near, that close. Such that you could be going through your day, wherever you are, work, home, out on a walk, and you might just all of a sudden brush up against something. You're like, whoa, what was that? Whoa, I just felt something. Did you? I just felt something like some warmth or embrace or something. I just felt the love of God. Where did that come from? Or you might be hearing something, a voice like your voice but different, somehow speaking, and God's having this constant conversation in the heavenly realms, but the heavenly realms are right here with us, and all of a sudden we hear something. Wait a minute, I just heard something talking to me about who God is, about who I am, because of this reality right now as we speak. And maybe something like this could happen. God was talking with God, and they're having a conversation with each other, and we get drawn up into the conversation, and the conversation is, I want to heal that person so they know who I am more, so they can experience my love. I'm going to open their eyes so they can see. And this reality might happen where it's something like this. So, Greg, go pray for him. So that I get sent to go pray for him, but watch what happens. May I use you? You're going to stay right there, though. You don't have to. I put my hand on the person, and I say she's suffering from the example I gave, blindness. Be healed right now. Am I praying? Or, Spirit, come on over here. 
I'd be following the Spirit, but the Spirit's hand maybe is right on my hand. The Father's hand maybe right around here on my hand. The Son's hand on my hand. So when I'm praying, who's actually praying? When something's happening with this woman, who's actually doing it? Whoa. Thank you, guys. Maybe give them a hand. They didn't know I was going to do that to them. You're like, thank you, it wasn't me. And stuff starts happening because there's this God who is near us. But do we experience that reality? Do we see it? And for many of us, it's hard to see. Now, a big part of that is because we see in part, we hear in part. One day, we will fully be able to see. And right now, we're in the in-between times. But we can maybe see more. And we don't because we are blind. So how can our sight be restored? Well, think of the first situation where that rain gets on our glasses. Or like when I was driving through Sacramento on my way back to college in Southern California, and I'm in the middle of sunny Sacramento. And then all of a sudden, the heavens open and out come this huge rainstorm. We're talking big cats and dogs. But I'm in my 86 Dodge Caravan, no problem. I got windshield wipers that kind of work. Click, little smoke comes out of the hood. Windshield wipers are not, no, no windshield wipers. <laughs> Sun's starting to set. And I've just got rain just like, it's like two inches thick on my windshield. Out of nowhere, this thing just happens to me. Someone dies as close to me. Where was God in that situation in my marriage that just keeps on happening, this conflict, this tension, or the situation that my kid's going through, or the stress of school starting and everything going on, this experience of just the storms of life hitting us. And usually we might have something to get us through, some windshield wipers to kind of clear the way so we can kind of see. But now it's like we can't see. And we wish at that time I had Rain-X. You know Rain-X? <laughs> you can put that on your windshield and it's like it's wax and all. You don't even need windshield wipers. The rain just beads away. Like I just had this invincible shield where I will not suffer. Some people think that's Christianity. It's like, well, now I'm with Jesus. Everything will bounce off. <laughs> I'm made of Teflon. He didn't say that. He said, I will be with you. And he actually said, you will suffer but I will be with you in the suffering. And the only thing I could do that day, even though I wanted to try to drive straight through to say further south where it would be sunnier and just get through the rainstorm, but I couldn't see, is to slow down and stop. And not that we want to sit in our suffering, but maybe sometimes just to slow down a little bit and to say, God, where are you in this? You said you'd be here. Where are you? Show yourself to me. Or those situations where we've got those dings and dents and scratches from life and the pain of life that we're still living out of and it's shaping the way we see things. Like this man I told you about, I met him because we were at a conference and he had responded to someone's call to forgive those who had hurt you in the past. So he thought of his dad and as he forgave his dad, it took him straight back into that memory as a seven-year-old boy. But this time he saw something he'd never seen before. Jesus was there in his memory and the father was there. And he saw Jesus come to him, and the father actually put his arms around him and show him, demonstrate, I'm here. Speak some words to him. And then he had this experience, and this is his testimony. Take it for what it's worth. Where he experienced God start to wrestle with him playfully. Even start to what he said was kind of like I was getting tickled. And he actually, if you were watching, you wouldn't understand what was going on because he was on the ground, and he was kind of like rolling around and laughing. And he said that whole time for about 15 minutes as in a vision, as in a picture in his mind, he experienced the father come and play with him like a father would play with his seven-year-old son in his living room on the carpet, 
wrestling and playing to show his love and his tender, affectionate care, like I do with my two-year-old son. And in that 15 minutes, that trauma and that pain of feeling rejection just started washing away out of his mind and his heart. Maybe there's things in your life, maybe there's fears that you're facing, shame that you're still wrestling with. How do we get that healed? I think of the inner healing prayer teams here at First Pres that Terry coordinates. I've gone to that. Some places where we can put ourselves in a setting where we can have people help us kind of unpack those things and to receive healing, to take those scratches off. And then there's the reality of maybe we've got this wrong prescription. We've got these things we believe about God and ourselves that just aren't true, as real as they may seem. Where do we go for new truth? The biblical word is to repent, which all it means is to come to new understanding. That's all that word means. To come, wh- where can we go for new understanding? Sometimes I'll just listen to worship music, because through music I'll hear, that type of music, I'll hear this truth about God just wash over me and just get in my system. Where are those places where we can immerse ourselves we're in a place where people are reading the Bible and helping us understand it? Or small groups where we can share things of our life or conversations we can have where people can speak into things with truth and we can see more clearly. But the thing I think is so amazing in all of this is who God is. Because in John 9, what is he doing? This is Jesus who is sent to show us what the Father's like. What is God trying to do? Who is he looking for? Blind people. He's going to find all the different types of blindness so that he can heal them. And I think for each of us it's going to look different. But I love what it says at the very end of what we read this morning. People are debating because this man's eyes were open and they're like, this looks like the guy who was blind, but is it really him? And he's like, yeah, it's me. And so then they say to him, how then were your eyes opened, they demanded. And he replied, the man they called Jesus made some mud, put it on my eyes. He told me to go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed. And then I could see. Well, where is this man, they asked. And at that time he said, I don't know, because Jesus had slipped away and would come back to him later and meet with him again. But I would submit to us this morning, where is this man who can open the eyes of the blind? Right here. Right now. 